Hey guys, before we start the show, I wanted to take a second and tell you about an amazing opportunity called SocialX. SocialX is a community of entrepreneurs working together to make a positive impact on the world. They teach entrepreneurs how to grow from zero to six figures. Their weekly mastermind calls feature top business experts and entrepreneurs from various industries. They offer online courses as well as various events all over the country. If you're interested, DM Justin Caballero on Instagram at jcab. That's J-C-A-B. Welcome to the Venture Mentality Podcast. We're bringing you the insights and interviews from top entrepreneurs and high performers on how to reach your goals and overcome your challenges. Hosted by 18-year-old high school student and entrepreneur, Jacob O'Connor. Now, let's get right into the show. Hey, what's up, guys? You're listening to the Venture Mentality Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob O'Connor. Today, joining us, we have the host of the Increase Your Impact podcast and mental skills coach for the Tampa Bay Rays professional baseball team, Justin Suya. What's up, Justin? Hey, what's up, Jacob? Thanks for having me, brother. Yeah, I'm glad we could connect. And just to start things off, I was hoping you can give us just a little bit of context about, you know, kind of your journey and how, where you started and how you got to where you are now. Yeah, first of all, just to put in, uh, I, I appreciate you asking that question. Uh, just people see mental performance coach, like, what is that? Like, what does that even mean? And so my job is to help. The way I love to say is you'll hear a coach or a parent say, hey, you got to focus or hey, you got to relax or hey, you got to have confidence without teaching the athlete strategies on how to operationalize those things. How do you focus? What do you focus on? How do you relax? What are techniques? And that's where I come in to help uh, elite athletes do that. Um, and so I started, got a master's in performance psychology from the University of Utah, opened up my own consulting company. And then from there, went to work with combat medics in the U.S. Army for a couple of years, and then was the head of mental conditioning at the IMG Academy in, in Florida. And then from there, the Boston Red Sox reached out to me, was a mental performance coach with them. And then uh, the, the Cleveland Browns reached out to me, was with them. And then um, uh, sprinkled in there, started work with elite CrossFit athletes, um, as well, games athletes, and then, um, and then the Tampa Bay Rays reached out. And so it's been quite the journey working with uh, top athletes and professionals and, and performers to help them, help them help themselves get their minds right. I love that. And whenever I was researching you, you know, you've been many places and worked with many different people. But one of the things that I found really interesting was kind of the, um, the challenge that your wife initiated to you, like at the very beginning, she was like, <laughs> You're always talking about your dreams, but what have you actually done to make them happen? And you said that was a major turning point for you. And so I was hoping that you could kind of talk about this epiphany that you had and like how things changed. Yeah, uh, for those, that, that, wow, you did, you did some research. That's, that's really impressive. Uh, yeah, I am a dreamer. I'm ambitious and I would talk a big game. And this was, uh, we had my wife and three kids. I was a high school teacher at the time, uh, which I loved. I miss, I miss those students. And, um, and, but I would always talk about working with athletes. I always talk about um, doing something that capacity and, and, and going to school. And I remember one night I was, I was telling her, kind of revisiting my dream. And she's the most supportive person in the world to this day. And she said words that cut me to my core. She said, you're all talk. And I thought she was joking. She was dead serious. And she was absolutely right. So here I am talking this big game, what I'm going to do, but I took no action. The next day I'm on the phone with grad schools. I'm on, I'm, I'm looking for places to go teach mental skills training, even reading books, just taking action. And, uh, and yeah, that's where it really started. And I think in, in the 2019, 
people wait for organizations to pick them, for schools to pick them. And my, what my wife taught me is like, hey, Justin, you need to pick yourself. Get up, go to work, do it. Doesn't matter if you don't have a degree right now. Doesn't matter if you have a you don't have a job right now that won't that shouldn't stop you from learning how to do it because we can learn like internet books. Get get in the gear, get get to work. And so, uh, yep, that day in October in uh, in two thousand and eight that uh, opened my eyes. That's such a crazy story, and just the fact that you're completely right. People take too long to take action. They're, they're too calculated about it. They're waiting for the perfect opportunity. They're waiting for people to seek them out. When in reality, they need to be doing what they can, where they are with what they have. And from there on, everything is just one small decision at a time can change your life. Yeah, I absolutely, I absolutely agree. It is just a saying that, that complexity, uh, complexity, uh, uh, basically blocks execution. And I think you're right. I think sometimes people suffer paralysis by analysis, uh, trying to find the perfect path. Am I ready? What do I do here? It's just, just go. You'll, fig- you'll figure it out along the way. Just, just take action, build that momentum. I've always heard the saying, fake it till you make it. And that's kind of the mindset you have to adapt when you're starting out with something because it's too easy to, let's take podcasting, for example. It's too easy to look at the big podcasters like Joe Rogan and Andy Frisella and to look at them and to get overwhelmed whenever you're thinking about starting your podcast because you know that right off the bat, you're not going to be as big as they are. But just fake it till you make it. Just take the first step and get the podcast going and then just keep growing and growing and growing. And next thing you know, you'll be at the top next to them. This can be applied anywhere in life. Yeah, I, I I agree, and I've even heard someone say, "Fake it till you become it." Uh, Amy Cuddy out of uh, out of out of uh, I believe uh, I don't know if she's UPenn or Harvard, but until you till you become that thing, and I, I agree. I think a lot of times, especially when you're getting started, you're looking for permission from people, and you don't need permission to be great. Just go and do it. And you're right; it is that comparison at first, uh, comparing to the people who are at the highest level, as opposed to just. Hey, focus on your in your own lane. Take it little by little. Don't compare yourself to other people and uh, enjoy your own journey. Exactly. And you're the second performance uh, mental performance coach that I've had on here. And I just love talking about your job exactly because one of the big things with the podcast is we are different because we try and provide ways for people to take actionable steps. You know, there's a lot of fluff and sayings out there, but when it gets down to it, how do people take action on these things? I think that you're a great person to kind of break down, you know, what athletes need to do to change their mindset, to evolve, to grow. Yeah. And I, yeah, I appreciate you saying that. And the, the very, the, the overall phrase when I get that question is it depends. <laughs> so, but it all, first of all, it all starts with self-awareness. And the reason it does depend is because everyone is so different. One thing that people get caught up in is they look at these strategies that people are using and they try to adopt them to themselves. They think that, oh, because that guy or that girl used it to be successful, that means it's going to work for me without considering the different variables, personality types, strengths, weaknesses, where they are in their life. Like, there's a lot of different contexts. And even in our own lives, sometimes something that worked for you when you were 20 might not work for you when you're 30. Values change, purpose change, situations change, uh, your body changes, your mind changes. And so just it all starts with self-awareness and to be able to look and ask yourself the question. So if someone's working on their mind, the first place you got to start with self-awareness. What are your values? 
What is your purpose? What are your goals? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? To really delve in and look at that. And then from there, take a look at growth mindset. Do you have a, do you have a propensity to have the fix or the growth mindset? Understanding the mechanisms of the brain. Then from there, maybe step number three would be take a look at your relationship with stress. What are your stress triggers? How do you respond to stress? And so based on you and what's in your DNA and your upbringing, those answers are going to be different. And we have a lot of blind spots. And so you got to be honest with yourself and knowing that, hey, just like physical fitness, when you go into a gym, you're not going to just go all out. It's a process. It's a journey. Weight loss is a journey. Muscle gain is a journey. Um, Mastery is a journey. And so to know that you're not going to be mentally tough listening to a podcast. You're not going to be mentally tough after reading a book. Um, It takes trial and error and, and, and working through it and Executing, uh, creating new habits um, along the way. One hundred percent. And I was hoping to kind of backtrack and focus in on couple, on a couple of things that you just mentioned there. And so to start off, um, I was hoping you could speak more on the growth mindset and how someone in general can start to ad- adapt a growth mindset because a lot of people do have the limited mindset. You know, they can't they can't do more than what they believe, and it's just so important to adapt a growth mindset. Yeah, and I think that that is really. Uh, for some people, earth shattering just to know that there is a difference between the growth and the fixed mindset. Just having a conversation that, the, for those who aren't familiar, it's Carol Dweck's work, and, and uh, basically it's 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 called uh, implicit theories. Basic growth mindset is this notion that you can change that you who you are who are who you are today does not have to be who you are tomorrow or the next week. You can evolve. Fixed mindset. There are people who really believe that you can't change. You are who you are. Your talent is what your talent is. And, and that is a fundamental belief to people. And, and essentially, it, it, it's, it involves five different characteristics, five different um, factors. How you view failure, how you view obstacles, how you view effort level, how you view critical feedback, and how you view the success of others. And so the growth and the fixed mindset individual, they will view those things completely different. There's someone listening to this and they view failure as an all, they, they view it as not an event, but defines who they are. And so they, they hate to fail to the point to where they avoid it at all costs. When they fail, they don't want to talk about it. They get overly emotional. They don't want to revisit it. Growth mindset, hey, they, they learn from failure. They know it doesn't define them. They use it as a stepping stone. And so we can go through all five if you want, but that, that's just an example. Um, so if some, so first I would just identify, just pick up the book Mindset by Carol Dweck just to learn from it. And then one way to cultivate the growth mindset is to just, to, I, just make growth mindset choices to start. Ask somebody for critical feedback. Uh, learn from the success of others as opposed to be threatened by it. Give your best effort when you don't feel good. If you don't feel like going to the gym, go to the gym. Like that right there is exercising the growth mindset. Embrace obstacles. Like do one hard thing every single day. That's a growth mindset exercise. And then learn from your failures. And and then when you notice yourself having growth-minded thoughts, shift the, the, I'm sorry, fixed-minded thoughts, shift to growth mindset. So it starts once again with awareness and then, executing and making growth mindset decisions on a daily basis, which will help you shape your brain and create new neurons and, and, and uh, help you develop uh, into a better version of yourself. This is such an important concept for people to understand. And really the first time that it hit me, I was reading Grit by Angela Duckworth. And in that book, that was the first time I had seen the growth mindset concept. 
and they had this quiz that you could take and it had a bunch of questions. And once you answered them at the end, it gave you a score of like yep. what mindset you had. And it really opened my eyes because at the time I had a fixed mindset, but then I started to do things that made me uncomfortable and it sort of switched me to this growth mindset. So I just think that it's important for people to realize that the human brain is malleable. Yes. It is malleable, and the research is showing. Yeah, be, neuroplasticity is the scientific name. How the neuro being brain plasticity, being changeable, informable, malleable. And what's hard sometimes is unlike uh, uh, weight loss and unlike shaping your body or unlike grades, it's hard to quantify. It's hard to look in the mirror and say, wait, am I more growth mindset? Do, am, I, am I evolving and changing? Whereas opposed to you can just look at your body. If your body's changing, you can just look at your grades. If you're getting smarter or better, the mind is a little bit different, which makes it a lot more esoteric for some people, hard to quantify. And why a lot of people stop doing these growth mindset exercises because they're, they wonder, is it working? Am I getting better? I don't know. And so you just have to just stick with it. Trust that you are building a new brain and, uh, and, 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 trust the process and stick with the process along the way. Exactly. And a way that I've sort of found to quantify it is journaling. If you, if you journal every single day and you keep track of your thoughts, you can start to see how they shift over time. Yeah. Journaling is outstanding and a lot of research to support journaling as, as well. And so, yeah, it's a great thing. Uh, some people do uh, uh, yes, no planning or, or calendaring where, where you have a calendar and and let's say, let's say you, you have a goal that you want to achieve, like something you can control. Like I'm just going to say, I'm just an example, drink a gallon of water every day. And if you do it, that's hard. That's, I don't believe I can do it. That's going to be difficult. But every day you do it, boom, you put an X next day, X. And so you, you either do it or you don't do it. There's no in between and you just stacking those X's and then you can do it for any habit. Once it becomes a habit, do the next one and then the next thing. And so, and you're going to see yourself just growing a little by little and you get a little bit better by uh, adopting and creating new habits. But yeah, there's different ways you can, you can quantify the development of your, of your growth mindset. You can get feedback from other people. You can get from coaches, from significant others. And uh, yeah, there, there are different ways that you can facilitate that. Absolutely. And I was hoping to get a little bit more in depth and specific now to your field. Let's say that you have a baseball player for the Tampa Bay Rays and they're hitting this mental roadblock and they don't believe that they can overcome it. How do you, how do you help them overcome that specific roadblock or whatever it is they're facing at the time, just in general? Yeah. Wait, now, again, coming back to my phrase, it depends <laughs> because we work with a number of different age players. So you can have a 16-year-old a stud Dominican kid from, from Venezuela or Dominican, uh, or we have 32-year-old Cy Young or 36-year-old Cy Young Award winners, winners who are married with kids and making millions of dollars. And so they're, the context of everybody is completely different. But I think generally speaking, anytime you want to help someone in terms of mental skills training, you don't want to shove things down people's throats. I think a lot of times people are quick to do trigger oh, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. And well, you don't know the situation. And so as a professional in my field, it all comes stems from asking questions. You have to ask the effective, correct questions. So if somebody is struggling uh, and they don't believe in themselves, it's like, why don't you believe in yourself? Was there a time you did believe in yourself? Tell me about that time. Was there a, at what point did you stop believing in yourself? Are those lies or is it true? Is it, and so as you begin to allow them to speak, then all of a sudden they're able to take what's in their mind and put it out, out 
in the air. They're, you're, they're either on paper or they're hearing it. Okay, so what is worst case? What are, what's your fear? Oh, that I'm going to get fired. Okay, how realistic is that? Oh, you know what? It's not that realistic. Have you experienced something like this before? Have you overcome something like this before? How did you do that? Oh, and so as you begin to ask effective questions, they begin to reveal their own tools that they've had in the past. They begin to reveal their values, their go-to people, the habits. And then at the end, you can say, and you could even say things like, okay, well, your situation is very difficult. Uh, what, what advice, if you had a friend, would you give to your friend in this situation? Hey, that's part of the game. You signed up for it. It's going to be tough. And then I'll pause and say, that's amazing advice. And I say, you gave yourself that advice. And so that's where the art and the science behind it comes into where it's like, yeah, we're not, I'm not the guru going around telling people changing their lives. No, they have the answer. The people who, the person who's listening to this podcast, you have the answer. And it's looking in the mirror, asking yourself hard questions. And the phrase is, is if you want to, if you, if you want better answers, start asking yourself better questions because the questions people ask themselves is, Oh, why, why do I stink? Why am I terrible? Why am I horrible? Start changing your questions to how can this make me stronger? Where do I need to change? What do I need to start doing? What do I need to stop doing? And so that's my role is start. I, I ask them more effective questions than they're asking themselves. Justin, I love that. And for anyone who's listening to this, who's you know hitting that roadblock, whatever area it may be in their life, I would just advise them to start asking better questions, just like you said, because I think that the power and the driving force is really in the questions. Absolutely. hundred percent. And the reality is sometimes you're not in the state to ask yourself the right question. There are times where you're just negative and, and the timing is everything. You can't go up to someone who is in the, in the red, so to speak, and, and start asking them questions or either they might not be there in the right place emotionally. And wait till the smoke settles. If you just, if you're just coming off a bad loss or a bad workout or whatever, no, that's not the time. It's the way. Give yourself 24 hours for however long you need so you can have some clarity to start asking those questions because it's easy to answer in a negative, even if a question's good, if you're not in a good state. Exactly. And I wanted to segue a little bit. I know that you're really big on winning the morning, but what exactly does that mean to you? Yes. Uh, winning the morning is crucial, in my opinion. I, I, we 86,400 seconds a day. That's all we are given. We, that's all we're given. And so to maximize, uh, to maximize every, those days, the best in the world in whatever domain, they maximize their 86,400 seconds. Doesn't matter who you are, how old you are, how much money you have, just use those the best you can. And the analogy I give, it's like a rocket, like a rocket taking off into space. The most energy that it uses, the most pressure and force is in the launch in the very beginning. So the launch is so crucial to future success. And what I mean by winning the morning is waking up on purpose with purpose. Scheduling the first 60 minutes, 90 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever it is, to do things on purpose with purpose. You run the day so the day doesn't run you. Whether it be working out, whether it be reading something, meditating, um, uh, whatever you need to do to fill your own cup, to energize yourself, to be able to launch you to have a very productive day. Um, obviously, Newton's law, an object that, 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 that is in motion tends to stay in motion. So starting on purpose, winning the morning, so to speak, and that's, that's why I call winning the morning. And, and a lot of people are like, oh, but I need to get my sleep in. I need to get 
I, I said nothing about sleep. Winning the morning doesn't mean waking up at three in the morning. It doesn't mean waking up at six in the morning. It's whenever you do wake up after a good night's sleep, if you can, to wake up on purpose with purpose, as opposed to laying there, grabbing your phone, scrolling through the internet, uh, just, just dragging yourself out of bed, just doing things on purpose with purpose, whatever time you wake up. Exactly. And I read somewhere that the first eight minutes of the day, whatever you're feeding your body, like mentally, like whatever input you're putting in, whether it's checking your phone, reading a blog, watching stuff on TV, whatever you're putting in, sets the tone for the rest of the day. So it's important to win those first eight minutes, just like you said. And so I was hoping that you could kind of maybe share what your morning routine looks like with anyone who's listening so that they can start to kind of craft and develop their own winning the morning routine. Yep. Uh, it starts with the day before I plan because I'm on the, I'm on the road all the time. I might be in a different time zone. I might be in a different hotel. I might be at home dropping the kids off for school. I'm not dropping. So mine evolves. So I always plan the day before I know exactly what I'm going to do this morning. For example, woke up, uh, woke up at eight 25. Uh, we, uh, we uh, man of faith. So we did, uh, had our, our family prayer, took the kids to, took the kids to school. So I knew that I'm going to take the school, kids to school. And then I knew once I drop them off, I go right to the gym. I'm at the gym for, for about 45 minutes to an hour. Right when I'm done with that, I study. So I study for about an hour and a half. And today what I studied was mindfulness. Um, I'm, I, I watched a video and I listened to an HBR podcast, Harvard Business Review Podcast, and I took notes. And I studied and I wrote down notes. And then after that, I recorded my own podcast. And, uh, and now I'm, I'm ready for the day. So I got my family time in, I got my workout time in, I got my studying in, and I'm ready to go. That's great. And I think that people need to realize also that there's no set formula or craft exactly. on how your morning has to look. It's whatever you need to do to win the morning. Exactly. Exactly. Sometimes it's coffee. Some people it's meditation. And sometimes it, I tweak it. Sometimes I can't work out. I just don't have, I have to catch a plane at at, at seven in the morning. And so I, I'm going to listen to a podcast on the way to the airport. I just know I'm doing it on purpose with purpose, just, just finding some way to win the morning. And it's, you're right. It's going to look different from day to day and from person to person. On purpose with purpose. I love that. That's awesome. And so I was hoping that also you could talk about your book, Mentally Tough Teens, because a lot of the listeners, um, they're in the younger age range, they're 16 to 25, you know, they're perfect for this book. And I was hoping you could share what what purpose you wrote this book with and what exactly it's about. Yeah. So to be, to be honest, Manly Tough Teams came about from my Twitter, my Twitter handle. So I, I wrote a book called Parent Pep Talks. That was my first book I wrote, just a, a manual for parents to help their kids. So a lot of times moms and dads, they're the ones who really are getting in the way of the, of the player because they're putting so much pressure or they're yelling at the kid or whatever. So I put the tools in, in mom and dad's hands. Hey, you're the ones who are always with your children. And then from that, the publisher's like, hey, can you write one for teenagers? And I said, well, teenagers don't want to read books. Like, if, it's not, if they don't want to read books, they don't have time to read books because they're already in school and so forth. But they're on Twitter, they're on, they're on Instagram, and they're on social media. They, they want it short. They want it quick. And so basically what mental, Mentally Tough Teens is, it's, a, it's like 150 or 200 of my tweets um, that pertain to developing your mind for a teenager. You can pick up at any point of the book, read any page. It's just one page a day. It's simple. It'll take about 10 seconds to read. And they're all specific strategies on, on how to deal with friends and how to 
deal with stress of teachers and how to organize your homework in your life, but it's targeted towards the younger generation. That's awesome. And one of the things that you kind of hit on there was managing stress. And I think a lot of the younger generation has a problem with this and they're not doing the, they're not doing the best at it. I was hoping you could offer a little bit of advice with, you know, I know that you said it depends on the person, but just some yep. general advice for how to handle stress. Yeah. So there's different kinds of stress. So there's the stress of performing for a test or for school, which is more acute stress. And the heart rate is going and the palms are shaky or sweaty. And, and then there's the, there, there's the long-term stress, the chronic stress where the, the homework's piling up, uh, the pressure, the drama at school, you're, you're keeping a secret from mom and dad and it's now eating at you. And you're like, oh man, and, and it's weighing on you. There's that kind of stress. And so there's the, the basically stress is, it all comes down to how you're viewing it. Uh, your interpretation of stress. So the science is strong on this. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And so viewing your situation as a challenge as opposed to a threat and, and whatever, whatever it may be and knowing that, okay, I, this is an opportunity to make me stronger. This is an opportunity to make me better. Another phrase of pressure is a privilege. Okay, it's how can, how can this be a privilege for me? And so uh, that is low-hanging fruit. How are you viewing your stress? That is creating a lot of stress in and of itself. Another thing that we teach people is just pay attention to how stress affects you. Does it give you butterflies? Does it make your heart race? Does it make your palms sweat? Um, and to, we'd say, embrace the stress. Embrace it. And that's the physiological signs of that. Your body's ready. You're, you're excited. Um, I mean, it's important to you. And to know that, hey, that's okay. It's your body saying, hey, this is important to me and, that, and that's okay. Um, but as far as chronic stress, two things for anyone who's listening, you need go-to habits and go-to people. Uh, first of all, your go-to habits. People want, when they're experiencing too much stress, they want to mask it. And so they want to eat unhealthy or binge watch Netflix or do procrastination techniques to get away from the source of stress that only makes them even more stressed. And so finding healthy habits, such as working out or reading or meditating or, or going to church or prayer, whatever, whatever works for you, these habits, let's even win the morning techniques, that will help you stay grounded, help you kind of maintain your happiness. And then go to people. You don't have to suffer alone. Share with the trusted parent. Share with a friend. Go meet with a therapist. There's nothing wrong with that. These pro athletes meet with psychologists and therapists. They get stressed out. That's life. It's okay. You're not mentally weak if you see a professional. Your mental health is so important. And it's invisible. It's invisible. And so not a lot of people don't realize that you're suffering. So just remember, you don't have to suffer alone. So that's, that's, what, I, that's what I would say. Those those. Uh, those four techniques or strategies. That, that was really important to share. And I think that you're right. It is invisible. So I think that that convinces a lot of people to just avoid it. They're like, I can't quantify this. So I must just be making it up. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I, you, you just need to break that mindset and realize that, you know, you can do those things that you listed out and those things will be able to help you. Yep. I agree. And so um, before I forget, if anyone wants to find out more about you, about you or reach out, where can they find you? I Instagram at Justin Sua. Awesome. And I'll link that in the description so you can swipe up and check it out. But before we go, I've got one last question, but first a little bit of background. So when you died, the only thing that matters, the difference that you make and the impact that you had. So with that being said, what difference do you want to have made and what impact do you want to have had? Uh, I hope, I hope people by the time working with me realize that they 
they have the answers. Uh, the, the best version of themselves, like they are, they are constantly under construction, number one, and that who they are today is not who they're going to be tomorrow, but that if they want to make changes, if they want to be the best version of themselves, all they have to do is look within. They have the answers. They can evolve, and um, and they could they can shape whoever they want to be. And so that's what I think. That's what I hope um, people feel or, or or believe after working with me.